The scripture reading for today is Luke 23, 13 to 25. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, but you sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas. A man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, Crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, Why, what evil has he done? I found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released a man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Uh, before we sit down, why don't we just turn around, look around, greet one another, say hello, wonderful to see you face to face. And those of you who are joining online, once again, we welcome you that you are able to join us uh, through online worship service. You may be seated. So we've been uh, going through the series, Right Side of Kingdom, uh, and we are wrapping up with today's message called Successful Failure. So we've been talking about um, this right side of kingdom that our sin somehow twisted and polluted uh, not only uh, our worldview, but the way that we live uh, in this world. But Jesus came to actually bring it back to right side up. That Jesus was revealing the truth of God, the reality of the kingdom of God, that low is high. And to die is to live. And people who are outsiders are invited to the kingdom of God. But on the other hand, those of us who think that we are inside, are outside of God's covenant, those who are proud, those who are self-reliant, that Jesus shows and reveals the true, uh, the power and grace of the kingdom of God. As we wrap up the series, today there's another the truth about successful failure. So, brothers and sisters, uh, I would like to begin with this opening remark that God uses our human failures. When we come to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, humanly speaking, cross is a symbol of human failure. It is a symbol of condemnation. 
And that's why even Jews, even nowadays, uh, many of them are having a hard time believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, because from their perspective, how can the sinless Son of God be cursed on the cross? So from human perspective, that Jesus failed miserably. And yet from God's perspective, cross is not a place of failure, but God fulfilling his redemptive plan successfully. So from human stand, it was a failure, but from God's perspective, he is completing his salvation plan successfully. In the same way, God uses our human failures. And there's no one in this world could ever say that I never ever failed in my life. Very important lesson is that what can we learn from our failure? And those who are able to recover rise above their failure, they are the one growing maturely, but also they are the one making impact in other people's lives. And there are two other more scary things or detrimental than actually failure itself. The first thing is actually succeeding without failing ever. Because they're the one, self-reliant, proud, and thinking that they did everything on their own. But because they have not learned the low, humble posture of their lives, if they ever fall, it will really break them severely. You know, when you you know, learn even martial art or anything, uh, the first thing that they teach you is how to fall. So that you'll be able to fall gracefully or you can get back again. In the same way, even in our lives, we need to learn when we fall or when we fail how to really get back in our lives. Second detrimental thing is uh, people who are so fearful of failure so that they are paralyzed and they don't want to try anything in life. So these two things are more detrimental than failure itself. So coming back to the cross of Jesus Christ, humanly speaking, it was a place of curse. It was a place of failure. And Pontius Pilate and even King Herod, when they saw Jesus, they recognized that Jesus was sinless. Nothing to blame. In verse 14 and 15, after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod. For he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. However, a sinless son of God had to be crucified on the cross. So today, we would like to share 
How does God use our human failure to fulfill His plan through this mystery of the cross? So, first point is this: God begins new things through our failures. Our end, our limitation, leads to God's new beginning. It is when we finally let go and deny ourselves that's when God takes over, God rules, and God reigns as a master and king over our lives. So that we think that our end is end itself, but our end is the beginning of God. Then practically, how does like our ending leads to God's new beginning. One of the tangible ways is God restoring identity through rejection. Coming back to today's passage, Pontius Pilate didn't want to crucify Jesus. So he wanted to kind of make the crowds happy and say, look, you know, I have two criminals here, Jesus or Barabbas. And I will release one of them as you wish. And Pontius Pilate completely thought that people would cheer and they will want Jesus to be released. But surprisingly, the crowd didn't want Jesus. They said, we want Barabbas. The crowds did not choose Jesus. They would rather have a Barabbas than Jesus. Because Barabbas was a criminal who killed and who was fighting for independence. Humanly speaking, fleshly speaking, the Barabbas may bring more advantage or benefit towards the crowd for their earthly gain. And isn't it true that many times between Jesus and the world, between spiritual blessing and worldly gain, we often choose worldly things. In verse 21, but they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. So Jesus on the cross, he was rejected. Rejected by people. Rejected by very, his own people that he's been serving wholeheartedly. Have you ever experienced that? Your friend that you love and you serve. Very own people in your own workplace backstab you. That you genuinely wanted to, do, to succeed them. Even at church, you give, you serve, and somehow you feel like they don't really know your heart. And they complain and criticize you. When that happens to us, we feel like we failed our relationship. And parents, you give, you love your children, and then somehow they choose something else than parents. They'd rather be with someone else. 
or they rather pursue something else, you feel like so rejected. Betrayal, abandonment. That's why we always constantly seek for other people's approval and we think that when we are recognized by other people, when we are praised, when we are being wanted, when we get accepted to everywhere, school or place, we made it, we succeeded. When we get turned down by school or place, we feel like we're a failure. Right? When you get a rejection letter from everywhere, you apply to job and then you get rejection. It's like, I failed miserably. But even in the midst of the cross, where the humanly speaking, Jesus failed miserably, God still speaks to Jesus saying, you are my son, with you I am well pleased. That identity, the relationship between God the Father and the Son of God was never shaken by circumstance or people's approval. Even though he was abandoned, rejected by people, and rejected by men, Jesus knew and he was secure his identity as a son of God. And being recognized and being pleased, pleasing God, and that is the foremost success in our life. And I'm not saying that, you know what, so you don't need to care about other people. That's not what I'm saying. But before anything else, our priority is knowing who we are as a children of God. Because there are so many people in the world, they make it. They get accepted to everywhere. And yet their core identity is always insecure. And they don't know who they are until they die. Constantly try to be pleasing people, try to be approved by other people and gain significance. You see, that, so humanly speaking, successful life, you may say, but spiritually, that's a failure. If you don't know who you are in God, that's a spiritual failure. But on the other hand, when things go wrong, when we get rejected, when we fail, when we make mistakes, and yet, even in the midst of all those worst things happen, if we know for sure that we are beloved children of God, and where we belong, that is the most fundamental foundation that we can build our life. And that is a worth of who we are in our lives. We have a lot of young adults and college students. I know that you want to somehow you know, gain significance through your career, your major, GPA. Please study hard. Please pursue excellence as I shared last week. But you know what? But that does not define your identity. You pursue excellence because of who you are, not to gain who you are as identity. And parents, the foremost, most priority job for you, for your children is this. Rather than world or standard defining who they are, let them know and let them be so secure as children of God and they are beloved no matter what. 
And from there on, they can build other things. Once that happens, even if they fail, they are able to get back. But if they don't know who they are, when they fail, they don't know what to do. And so many people are in dark state because they don't know their worth. Number two, new clothes of mission through nakedness. Jesus not only rejected on the cross, but Jesus was being naked. In verse 34, 35, they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. Jesus was naked, but through nakedness and failure, Jesus poured out his blood to cleanse us, to make us to be holy children of God. In the same way, when we go through failure in our lives, we feel like we're naked. But through nakedness, what God does is that God allows for us to be naked so that he takes up the clothes of our self-protection, something that we cover on our own, with our own sinful nature. And that's who we are, even from the Garden of Eden. When Adam and the woman committed sin, they start covering on their own with the fig leaves. Rather than being covered with redemption and salvation of God, they wanted to cover their own. And isn't that what we do? We try to cover our own. Some of us, we act like we're so busy and important and needed by the world constantly. Right? Like, so we try to kind of avoid intimacy or transparency. I'm busy. Sometimes our children can be covering, our school can be covering, our hurt, blaming other people can be covering. Even smartphone device can be covering. Right? When you don't know what to do, when you meet someone, you just look at the phone and thinking that you're busy, you're replying back. I remember uh, kind of tagging along my wife in our workplace. It was like Christmas banquet. It was years ago. I didn't know anyone. It's like when I come to church, I know everyone. I know who to go to or who to talk to. I can initiate. I was like surrounded by like all these strangers. And all of a sudden, my wife had, had to go to the washroom, and I was like left alone. So what I did, looking at the smartphone, like thinking that I have to reply there's no new email, but then I was just keep clicking, clicking. That was my way of covering, right? Like, I'm vulnerable. That many of us, we wear this kind of clothes, they're covering ourselves. But God allows failure to bring those things down 
to reveal the truth, who we are. I was reading one of the books. Um, this person, uh, this pastor, he had to. He had. He had one. Uh, he was going to a conference to speak, and then somehow he spilled uh, something on his shirt. It was the only shirt that he had, and then he saw a one hour dry cleaning. I was like, oh, great! I have about two hours, so so he went to one one hour dry cleaning. And would you be able to dry clean this shirt? And the lady said, for sure. So can I come back in an hour? And she was upset. Who do you think we are? How can we do dry cleaning in an hour? Come back tomorrow. I was like, but don't you have a sign, one hour dry cleaning? If you cannot do it, maybe you should have put 24 hour cleaning or one day dry cleaning. But then she was very, very upset. And he was sharing from that book, like, but that's who we are. We as a Christian, we believe in love of God. We believe in forgiveness. But then if we ever say, can, can you love person? Can you forgive that person? We get upset. How dare you, God, asking me to forgive? How dare you for me to serve? How dare you for me to like, give my time? But we say, we believe in Jesus Christ who took up the cross. We believe that to die is to gain. We sing, hallelujah, the truth of God. That's what we believe. And so, you believe? Yes. Let's live it out. Now we get upset. We get offended. How dare you? Those are the coverings that we have. But God at times, God breaks us. God, God allows place where we fail and these coverings that we hold on to or we work so hard to put on or decorate ourselves one by one, he stripped those things down. For some of you, it could be clothes of your job. It could be clothes of your reputation. Parents, it could be a reputation of your children. For some of you, it could be covering of your relationship, respect. Jesus not only stripped down naked on the cross, but even Jesus' disciples, they were jobless when Jesus was arrested because they put everything all in for the past three years, and yet now they lost their master, sense of direction, sense of purpose. Now what do they do? They were naked. What about Joseph in the book of Genesis? He had the garment of colorful clothes that his father Jacob has put on. And you know that garment symbolized like I'm the favorite son. I am loved by my father. But God allows Joseph's garment to be naked. Eventually to put on the garment of prisoner, but somehow that will lead to garment that he will be able to wear to serve not only Egypt, but the nations. Some of the older generation, you may know the story of Pastor Charles Corson. 
late Charles Corson, who passed away in 2012, who made impact with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But those of us who know the story, when Charles Corson was young, he graduated from Ivy League school. He was smart. He was a politician. So he made up to the White House, not as a president, but as a supervisor, right-hand man of the president. But through the Watergate scandal, that he was sent to prison. And all the things that he's been putting on, or even garment of his clothes, he was being naked as a prisoner. Once most respected, powerful man in the United States was put to prison, and for a whole year I heard that late-night talk show always made fun of Chuck Colson. But as we know the story, in prison he encounters Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. God allow this failure to make him be naked. But from there, he encountered Jesus Christ. He was born again, gaining this close of new mission. Later, as he comes out, being released from the prison, he starts a prison ministry, entire United States. Every prison cell, he raised disciples and missionaries and pastors to go and evangelize and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And thousands and ten thousands of people hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And later he confessed, God didn't use my title or position in White House, but God used the fact that I was a prisoner to relate and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not encouraging you to go to jail. Okay? But God can even use such miserable, awful failure somehow for the glory of God. Thirdly, winning the people, heart of people through weakness. John chapter 19 verse 2 and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorn and put it on his head. Not only Jesus being rejected, being naked, he was vulnerable through his weakness. People made this thorn crown and then put him. And through that, Jesus was bleeding. Jesus was made fun of. Aren't you the king of Jews? And that's why they wanted to mock Jesus and made this crown of thorn. John chapter 19 verse 3 says, They came up to him saying, Hail, king of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. And through the thorn of crown, Jesus was bleeding. Jesus looked miserable, weak, vulnerable. In the same way, we have thorn. Thorn of our failure, thorn of our weakness. 
But as we place those weakness and surrender to Jesus Christ, the precious blood of Jesus Christ permeates through our weakness. Brothers and sisters, what is your weakness? I have a weakness as well. And to be honest, that weakness was my insecurity for longest time. Even as I began serving as a pastor, that was insecurity. But I realized that through that weakness and insecurity, I had to surrender to God and trust God even more. And realize that in that weakness, God allows His double portion of grace flowing through. Recognizing that it is not my strength made everything possible, but it is my weakness made the power of God permeate through. And Jesus, the crown of thorn becomes the crown of life. In the same way, our thorn becomes the life of God. And that's why Paul mentions in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul was elite, graduating from top school, that he had recognition and everything, but when finally recognized that he was far from God's perfection and grace, and out of that weakness, recognized that he had a thorn, and all the more he preached the gospel, and he was able to win the people. Even Jacob, in the book of Genesis, his brother wanted to kill Jacob. Right? Jacob took the blessing of first right, and as Jacob was coming back with his family, but right before encountering his older brother, God struck Jacob in his thigh. So Esau was determined to kill Jacob, but Jacob was coming from far away, walking like this, cripple, cripple. And through that weakness, Esau was compassionate. And Jacob won the heart of Esau. So our end of rejection, being naked, our weakness, through those, God begins to do new things. God reveals our identity, new garment of mission. And we're able to really understand the heart of people when we win them to Christ. Brothers and sisters, what about your life and your journey right now? Do you feel like you're failing in life because of these worldly standards? And yet maybe God is now preparing to use those areas for his glory and for his redemptive plan. Let me end with this last point. 
God's persistent love restores until the end. Even if you feel like everything's ended, everything's over, you lose your job, you fail from your school, you fail from your relationship, you feel like you have raising children in a certain way, and you feel like giving up. You feel like the world has won. You have lost. In verse 23 to 24, but they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified and their voices prevail. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. Pilate, Pontius Pilate wanted to let go of Jesus. But it says, the voice of the crowds prevailed. Their will prevail, verse 25. So at times, the world is prevailing. The will and standard of the world is prevailing and we lose and feel like giving up. But the reason why we can say that God used for his glory and success is that God never gives up. And God's love is persistent love cross and death of Jesus Christ is a proof because Jesus never gives up until the end and Romans says even the death cannot separate us from the love of God addiction yes you cannot end on yourself on yourself by yourself but Jesus Persistent will still pursue you until the end. You fail seven times, God's persistent love reaching out to you eight times. You fail a hundred times, God's persistent love will reach out to you a hundred and one times. Then no one can overcome and win against this persistent, redemptive power of God over your life. You may give up, but God will never give up on you. You may give up your children, but God will never give up on your children. The Lord's will will be done, whether we believe or not. God's servant plan will be accomplished through our lives. Even though we feel like we're failing through this pandemic, God is successfully using this circumstance to reach out to people and His glory will be revealed. So, brothers and sisters, do not give up. And oftentimes when I interview, I ask very similar questions, which are these. What was a great failure of your life? What have you learned from that failure? And also, what did you learn about God through that failure? If they can answer those I feel like, wow, we can really run together. But I get scared when they say, I never failed. 
then it's like they are liability. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, let me end today's message. God's love towards you is persistent. He will pursue you until the end. You give up on yourself, God will never give up. And that persistent love is being poured out to you through the cross. Darkness, death, limitation, failure will not prevail. The power of Jesus Christ and his redemption. Until when? Until God completes his will through our lives. So let me wrap up with this statement. God restores our failure into his masterpiece. Let's pray together. As we spend some time, can we bring our failure into hands of God? What are you struggling? What are some of the failures? Let's bring all those things into the hands of God. I don't know about you, but also looking at my life, I failed many areas miserably. But as I bring and recognize those failures, God restores. You are my child. Even Peter, recognizing the failure of denying Christ, Jesus gave him restoration plus new garment of mission to feed, to tend the sheep. Do you struggle with insecurity and weakness? Rather than covering on our own, to embrace so that we can embrace other people and win their heart to Christ. Maybe some of us, we feel like giving up. But I want you to know that God never gives up on you. So let's find comfort and strength to get back again. Let's pray together. Confess our sins, our weakness, failure into the hands of God. Lord, I have failed you in many areas. I failed you in my workplace, in my relationships. But Lord, I come before you. May your grace, forgiveness restore, but also for me to get back 
and to really move forward with your call, your glory and mission. But even though I fail, you never fail. Your promise, your love never fail. So Lord, I cling unto you. Heavenly Father, as we come to the cross, we find comfort, faith, and courage to get back. Even though, humanly speaking, it was a place of a epic, great failure. But Lord, it was a place where your redemption was fulfilled, accomplished successfully. So Lord, help us to come to the feet of Jesus Christ. Maybe restore and clinging on to the promise of God once again. In Jesus' name we pray.